Welcome to Diving Board, a show about artists, the art they create, and the wide range of social and cultural ideas they explore. I'm Bill Valerio, and I run the Woodmere Art Museum, where we tell the stories of Philadelphia's art and artists. This has been a challenging year like no other, and as a museum, the way we seek to move forward is by giving a platform to the voices of artists. And on this show, we're going to hear from artists Sid Carpenter and Steve Donegan about La Cresta, their exquisite new earth sculpture that they've been cultivating for the last year on the grounds at Woodmere behind our painting studio. This is a work of art that's about the earth itself and the history of the land on which Woodmere stands. Sid and Steve are a married couple who met standing in the registration line in their freshman year at Tyler School of Art back in the 1970s. They explore natural themes in their artistic practice and are avid gardeners to the point where Sid tends to four different public gardens. She says she feels a synergy between the art she creates and her gardening. Hi, I'm Sid Carpenter. I'm an artist and I teach at Swarthmore College in the art department there. I've been living in Mount Airy for many, many, many years. And one of the things that I'm attracted to about this area is the verdant growth of trees and gardens. It's just been an idyllic place to live and it has informed my work. I'm a gardener and it has been a foundation to the kind of work that I'm doing. I'm interested in African-American farms and gardens and have done a series of works and sculptures around that. So this opportunity to work at the Woodmere and to create a sculptural piece that also has to deal with gardens is just a dream come true. I'm Steve Donegan. I'm an artist. I also live here in West Monterey. I've been working two and three dimensionally in response to the garden that we have at our house for quite a few years. And it's been kind of an amazing thing to take our love of gardening and be able to plug it into a public space that's at the Woodmere. It was great to have been invited to be able to do this. So we're looking forward to putting the plants in and, you know, just seeing the first year how it evolves. Sid and Steve's grand vision with La Cresta is to transform the experience of the museum's grounds and inspire people to engage directly with art and nature. At the same time, there's a second important resonance of this project that speaks to the moment in which we are living, and specifically the need to reckon with a shared history of unfathomable injustice based on race. This is a work of art that takes seriously a responsibility to recognize intertwined histories of racial hierarchy, economic privilege, and military might that are literally embedded in the earth that supports the museum's foundations. Sid and Steve's title, La Cresta, means the ridge in Spanish, and it refers to nearby Ridge Avenue. Ridge Avenue was the Manitani in the Algonquian language of the Lenape tribe, the Native American people who were forcibly removed from this region and who, for centuries, cultivated and lived off the land on which Woodmere sits. Mana means for or from our creator. Tawny means open path. 
Ridge Avenue as the natural crest of the land was the God-given path through the region. Sid and Steve's living, flowering work of art is meant to raise our consciousness and make sure we don't forget where we are standing. And so when someone comes to Woodmere, they're going to see how the natural landscape has been integrated into the idea of what artistry is, craftsmanship is, and how there's a marriage between those disciplines of thinking and having a vision around form and around materials, but also using that vision and incorporating what's already there. So anyone who's interested in sustainable gardening and farming and just care of the woodlands, things like that, Woodmere will become an essential part of that investigation in this area. You will have to come to Woodmere to see how these ideas are put in place through the vision, through the perspective of artists, gardeners, landscapers, just anyone who's interested in just the ecology of a space. And of course, the crown jewel of it, of being the actual museum itself with its collections. And so it becomes an experience, a complete and necessary experience for anyone who's interested in those ideas. Woodmere is committed to sustainably manage its six acres in Northwest Philadelphia at the center of the Wissahickon watershed. And we've made it a top priority over the last 10 years to steward our land according to ecological best practices. Woodmere contains all of the stormwater runoff that falls on the roofs of our 25,000 square foot building, as well as the water that falls on our hardscape driveways and parking services. We set out to be a model institution for the goals of the city's water department, which has been doing great work. We copied the structure of the permeable parking service pioneered by our neighbor, the Morris Arboretum. We built underground cisterns and natural stone step pools that slow down water flow on our slopes and redirect water into the earth. We also have a bioswale of specific grasses that filter and clean the water coming off our parking surface. We installed a connection to the city's storm sewer line, but our goal has been that nothing goes in there. We are doing our part to reduce the stress on Philadelphia's stormwater infrastructure, which, like that of every city, is overburdened in this age of global warming. We also care for our trees and remove the invasives and diseased and dying ones. And we've started to reclaim and reuse the dead wood in creative and sustainable ways with the help of Andropogon, the landscape architecture firm that has been our partner. Already, we're building a stumpery, which is a garden built around tree stumps. We're laying out a rot road, which is a pathway made of natural materials reclaimed from our ground. Altogether, we're describing the experience as the wow, or Woodmere's Outdoor Wonder. The path of the rot road runs right through the curving spine of La Cresta, and the paving is designed with slices of trunks from various dead trees from across the property. It required expertly wielded chainsaws to make it so flat. I'm awed by its precision and the teamwork involved. The circular patterns in different color woods are beautiful. 
For me, this is a tangible example of the spirit of creativity, and it all goes back to the question at the heart of all art. How do we express something new and different that needs to be said today? It's a privilege at a museum to be part of a conversation with artists. La Cresta represents an integration of thousands of creative ideas that we hope inspire more creativity. I'm looking at my own backyard at home differently if I only had a chainsaw. But here at Woodmere, we intend to draw attention to Sid and Steve's La Cresta and seek out other artists for proposals of ecologically inspired works of art. Our project is an extension of that and that a hugel uses recycled materials. That's the nature of a hugel is to use logs and compost and the remains of things that have grown and have now died or fallen over. But now you can take them and reuse them to become a nourishing element for a garden. So the Hugo project itself, La Cresta, it's an outcome of those ideas of sustainability and also a celebration of form in nature as art. I've already talked about the meaning of La Cresta and its symbolism for this project and its reference to Ridge Avenue, originally a byway forged by the Lenni Lenape, indigenous to this area. The thoroughfare that ran back and forth from what's now downtown Philadelphia to the city's northern limits. Woodmere itself sits beautifully at the crest of a hill. Sid and Steve's sculpture contains crest-shaped mounts or hogels, and importantly, the structure itself is a metaphor that evokes, through the abstraction of form and material, the churning process of history. That which gets turned under, overturned forcibly in some cases, becomes the unseen foundation for a next phase of life. It is based on the notion that the logs and the materials that are underneath are over time going to begin to break down. And that is also going to cause the hugel itself to begin to move. And ultimately, the hugel that is now a hill, at some point, the hugel is going to flatten, but it will retain the shape which we have designed, and you will have a bed that is this unique shape as well. So if you're following this hugel, you will know it does have a lifespan and that it will transition into something else, but it will always be there on that landscape, this footprint that will be distinct to what was there and distinct to that particular garden. There were a lot of ideas that came up with what could be done, and we identified a piece of space, which is where the hugel is now, and then worked from there, and then started trying to fit an idea that would come to mind and respond to the need of this recycling issue, then plant on top of it and make it into something that's beautiful, and people will come up to it and go, this is the most amazing thing, to be able to see how you've used all the stuff from Woodmere, you made the tiles for the flooring, basically, where there could be bricks. Now there are slices of logs that are now the tiles of this great egg shape with these two mounds in it. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to start plugging the plants in. Sid and Steve have been deeply committed to this project from the outset and ever so thoughtful in their design approach. One of the nice things about getting older is you begin to appreciate, you know, your own preferences that you are not being dictated 
to buy others' preferences. And so you can just let it run wild. And so for us, it's plants and textiles and things that show the hand, the idea of the maker and valuing that and not having different echelons of importance. You decide this is what I love. This is what I notice. This is what I care about. And I get to celebrate that. And to the extent that I'm able to indulge that, I will. And I know that younger people are often dictated to by what they think they should be doing. And Steve and I are at a point where it's not about that. It's about, you know, in your time, what is it that you value and what you want to surround yourself with? And of course, most importantly, what do you want to share? Because all of the gardens that we do, it's about interaction with people. I think that when I'm at my corner garden on Sedgwick Street, the audience is endless. They're constantly walking by and commenting. And so for sculpture, they have to come to the gallery, you know, and, and it's an invited formal thing. But I find that in terms of the art that we make in the garden, our reception, our contact, our sharing is that much more expansive. And it's just kind of a revelation or it has been. But I, I recognize it now that I get to make contact with viewers just by being on the corner with a garden. As Sid just described, this impulse to share and connect with others through gardening underscores their vision for La Cresta. The shape of the forms is an important part of that. When we were first invited to design it, I immediately started sketching. I immediately started drawing. I'm a clay person. And I started looking at hoogles, what they look like. They are this kind of mound. And it immediately reminded me of the hill climbing kilns I observed when visiting China. And that there is this, uh, you know, this form of these mounds that are actual kilns. Those are the earliest kilns that were able to achieve high temperatures back in the 11th, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th century by the Chinese. And so I being a ceramist, I have fired these kilns, just something that I am aware of as a form. And my initial design had to do with actually recreating or at least evoking the form of those hill climbing kilns. You know, things evolved. That was the initial thing that came to mind. And then I started to play with this shape and it became even more serpentine and its form. And then that serpentine form began to reference or at least refer to plant forms and movement. And so now the two hoogles look like small emerging plants, even though they're sort of sprout-like. They, yeah, they, they're sprout-like in their form. So from kiln to sprout, that's why they look the way they do. And then you get to make a 50-foot long sprout and, <laughs> and cover it with plants. And then it's kind of woohoo. And it's within this <laughs> yeah. within this dais of this sort of egg shape with these tiles of sliced. Visually it's Things evolve. Things, it's just quite enriching. Yeah, yeah. To in terms about. of pattern and the site itself, and the different, uh, you know, the idea of the forms themselves are crest-like. They are on a crest, and the name itself coming out of 
these forms, La Cresta. Once Sid and Steve finalized the design, ground was broken to create La Cresta's footprint, and the Huggles now exist. Here's Steve. It's all been dug out. The logs were laid in. Soil was brought in. Edging was put in place. You know, we had to get a nice metal edging around it to contain the big volume of material that was being sloped up. And after we plant it, then the tiles will be put in. The logs will be put in, the slices. And Sid's been working on editing the plants that are going to, first of all, be drought tolerant, relatively rabbit and deer resistant, and are perennial. And, you know, there will be a few other things. I mean, there will be always be surprises to it, but it's beautiful when you have a garden that you're putting a lot of energy into, you know, you're sort of managing over a period of time. The kind of things that happen, there'll be surprises that are great, and there'll be a couple surprises, I'm sure you just pull them out. But that's the nature of it. You know, I've done pieces that have been outside, but the difference is, is that those outdoor pieces withstand and remain what they are, even though there are different changes to surface because that's what happens when any kind of material is exposed to the elements. But this will be dramatic in that the thing will begin to settle. And it's like anything else. It's like a body. And so that I love the idea that there is this relationship to a life cycle. It not only supports life, but itself has its own life cycle, and it will be reflected in the shapes and changes over the years. So, you know, every year the hugel's going to look different. Mm-hmm. You know, this year it's going to look like something new. Everything about it is going to be new. Mm-hmm. And then it begins to mature. And then as it matures, things pass and things get replaced. And so it's an ongoing thing that reflects just change. And so if someone comes to the Hugel this year and then doesn't come back for three years, then they're going to see the sculptures, but the sculptures as they have evolved. We've done a lot of gardening and changed our own little bits of landscape that we've worked with. But it was done as to do a garden. And, you know, although there's a lot of composition and Sid's really great with composing and planting. And, you know, we go through the trial and error because the ground No matter what you want, the ground is going to tell you what it's going to give you. But this is a living sculpture. You know, this is like an earthwork. This is a three-dimensional conception with living things growing out of it. You know, it's pretty exciting. You know, we're really excited about waiting to see how spring behaves and how we get to put in and how much more we need to do after it initially gets planted. It's pretty great. As Steve mentioned, Sid has been planning the composition of plants the same way another artist might plan the composition of a painting. Besides figuring out the color scheme, Sid has also considered plants that are not too top-heavy but can grow tall enough to sway in the wind so there will be some fluidity and movement to the Hugel Garden. As she looks at the planting map she's designed, Sid distills her thinking for us. Each one of those colors represents a plant. 
So I'm thinking about it in terms of, you know, a succession of color and texture. As Steve said before, the plants that have been selected have been selected for their drought tolerance, their resistance to rabbits and deer, and that they be perennial. So we're looking for maintenance that is not intensive, something obviously that addresses the idea of climate change because this is a dry, sunny space. So all of these represent plants that have been identified for their capacity to fulfill those three requirements. But also these are sculptural forms and those forms have to maintain a certain kind of vitality throughout the year. So what do they look like when there isn't a lot of color? What's left behind? What will they look like in the winter? What will they look like in the, you know, in the summer when it's really blazing hot? So that's what the selection of plants is reflected in this map. In terms of access, we've had to edit this a lot because of availability, because of cost. We want to keep it within a certain budget, all of those kinds of things. So it's in flux. So this particular map isn't necessarily going to be exactly what you see in this image. Things are going to change and alter, but that's the nature of any garden at any time. So that, you know, there's something about the idea of perfection. Perfection is relative. (laughs) You know, what is this thing How does it perform? How is it performing? How is it reflecting just the realities of the garden at any given time? And letting people know that this is the reality of a garden and that the evolution of this, the changes, the beauty of it has to do with the fact that it is accommodating or at least responding to all of these different issues. Yeah, there will be a point where some of the plants that we pick do exactly what we wanted them to do. And then there'll be a few plants that may not. And that is always the case with gardening. You know, we know that we will be adjusting over the first year. First year? No, but the first year especially (laughs) because we want to see what comes up. It's going to take a while for these things to just... You'll see it like someone who shaved their head and then the hair starts to grow out. That's the way the hoogles are going to do. Right. You know, it's going to look like, what are those little sprouts there? And then all of a sudden things start getting bigger and then right. some get tall and some don't. So it's a sensory experience. There are going to be some herbs, but there will also be things that are just ornamental. Some things that maybe have some other kind of symbolic importance to them in terms of what they are as a plant and what they represent to different people. So, you know, hopefully there'll be different layers of what the hoogles communicate, depending upon what eyes are looking up on it. Here at Woodmere, we can't wait for the hoogles to grow. Sid and Steve look forward to being able to continually engage with these living sculptures they've created in the coming seasons and years ahead. As for our hope for the public's interaction with the hoogles... First off, I hope that there will be this measure of surprise and wonder and this acknowledgement of the Woodmere as this place that can provide that. Having grown up in this neighborhood and been aware of this museum for practically my entire adult life, to know that now I am able to contribute to the attraction of this place. And so that's been really, really a kind of wonderful side effect for me. But when someone comes in to look at what's unusual about this, I mean, there are great gardens at museums. 
you know, the Getty is renowned for its garden. The Philadelphia Museum of Art has amazing gardens that they have put in around that landscape. But now, you know, I think Woodmere itself is going to join that group in terms of the uniqueness of this planting and of this thing called a hugel. That alone, that word, I think, is going to attract people. What is a hugel? <laughs> and why is it at this museum? And who are these people who have put this together? And there will be other artists who also bring their art outside. And so it becomes, once again, this place you go to because of this unique visual experience. And finally, what's really exciting is that now that the weather has turned, we've planted the hoogles, and this has been our Roll Up Your Sleeves community building, friend making collaborative event. On planting day, there was so much enthusiasm about being part of the process that we had to limit the number of volunteers, which is painful for a museum to do. Sid and Steve organized the process and directed the volunteers. Here's one of the volunteers who I had a chance to talk with about the work she was doing. So the hoogles have been divided into sections. This section is yours. Yes. And what are the sticks? So um, the, uh, the sticks have codes on them that are colors and numbers that correspond to the plants that are in the nursery. So our job is to kind of like, it's like a puzzle. Uh -huh. like find what's on your stick, go to the nursery, get the plant, bring it back here, and put it in where it's supposed to go. It's all pre-planned. Now you've chosen the high point of the hugel because you're, um, you, I wanted to you be want able the to, athletic well, experience. They, well, I knew I, could, I knew I could take the hill, yeah. and also I thought it'd be really nice to be up here and be able to see what everybody else is doing. Please come to Woodmere and follow the rot road to the Hoogles. They will be growing and changing and decomposing over time, all as one big biological creative process. And we want you to grow from it too. And for more about any upcoming volunteer opportunities and everything else that's part of Woodmere's outdoor wonder, stay in touch with us on social media at Woodmere Art. And of course, you can head online to woodmereartmuseum.org. Special thanks to Sid Carpenter and Steve Donakin for taking the time to talk with us. Diving Board is produced by my friend Stephanie Marudis of Cuvenda Media and mixed by Brad Linder. And I'm Bill Valerio. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>